The stories of some of the world's greatest women unfold here. I'm Annette Comer, your host, and each week, the untold secrets of success, strength, and boldness of today's powerful women are revealed. As a child, this woman was the scapegoat for everything that went wrong. At one point, she thought, what if it's not me? And as she grew into a young woman, she decided she would no longer apologize for things she didn't do. She worked hard to find her value as a human being and through this discovered what it was like to help others. The years passed as she studied nutrition, healthy stress responses, and transpersonal psychology, all with the intent of healing herself and others. But along the way, she experienced the ultimate betrayal when her husband cheated on her. Her purpose became crystal clear. She was going to find a way to move forward and show others the way as well. Today, she is walking her path to greatness as she helps others heal from betrayal and other forms of drama. It is my pleasure to introduce you to Debbie Silber. Hi, Debbie. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Looking forward to our conversation. Yes, we're going to have a lot of fun today. We have limited time, so we're going to jump right on in, okay? Mm -hmm. So in your 30s and 40s, you kept crashing and burning. If other driven women like yourself find themselves in this same cycle, what can they do to stop it? And how can they recognize that they're slipping back into these habits? You know, and I see this with professional women where just because we're capable, we keep going until we can't. And I was just like, I'm sure a lot of the women, you know, watching and listening where here I had four kids and six dogs and a thriving business. And I was getting a lot of accolades from doing it all. And I believe it fed me. So I kept doing more and more and more, kept crashing. And here's the thing. I really suggest everyone takes a look at what's driving you, what's behind it, what's the fuel for it. Yes, of course, we're helping, we're serving, but is it to prove your worth? Is it to prove you're good enough? Is it to prove, you know, I've, I'm capable, I'm able? Take a look at that intention because that intention could be a positive driver or one that is so debilitating and exhausting, it'll make you sick in no time. So how would they know if, if they get this under control, mm-hmm. how can they know they're starting to slip back into that cycle? Yeah. You know by how you feel, first of all, your body never lies. Your body will totally tell you and call you on your own stuff. So, you know, just, just take a look. Are you exhausted? Are you, are you doing things that like, you know, that your highest self is saying, what is this about? And if you can't tell, imagine if you had a best friend coming to you saying, here's exactly where I am. This is what's going on here. What do you suggest? Or if you have children and if your child came to you and said, mom, you know, this is what I'm experiencing. What do you suggest? It's so amazing how we have the best advice for everybody else. And it's so interesting how so rarely we take that advice, you know, ourselves. And, and, and I always say, if you spoke to others the way you spoke to yourself, you probably wouldn't have a friend in the world. <laughs> what, <laughs> why don't we treat ourselves, right? Why don't we treat ourselves like our best friends? Because right. then we'll truly be taking care of ourselves. I'm not going to let you go on this one yet. I'm going to dig a little bit deeper. Mm -hmm. So when we're in this harmful cycle, you said pay attention to your body. Mm -hmm. Let's share exactly what that might look like for somebody. I can say for myself, I will often notice it in one or two places. Either I will be achy all over Mm -hmm. where I have held myself so tense from stress that it creates almost too much cortisol Mm -hmm. pumping in my body. Mm -hmm. Or uh, it can show up for me personally and my stomach gets all messed up. Mm -hmm. Now, what other kind of things have you seen 
Yeah. And I've personally experienced so many of these things. And, and one of the most common things is once the stress response is ignited, we are headed for just about every single stress-related symptom, illness, condition, disease. So what we'll do is we'll start suppressing the immune system. So, you know, imagine your immune system's like an internal army. When it's strong, it protects its borders. When it's weakened, it's as if the invaders get, you know, the, the army's fast asleep, invaders get through. So we're not nearly as resistant as we would be on a, you know, on a good day. And that's one of the most common reasons why our gut gets affected. So very common, we're highly stressed, immune system is suppressed and about 80% of your immune system is in your gut. So no wonder you're having, you know, a gut response. And then it's the, uh, you know, that cortisol, like you mentioned. So yes, we have lots of energy in the beginning, then we're tired and wired, and then we're just tired and the, the adrenals just tank. And then we have all kinds of other symptoms with that too. So we may have, all of a sudden we look and we're like, where'd this belly come from? And we didn't have that before. So we have, we could be eating exactly the same way. And now we're driving fat storage. That's one of the things cortisol will do. It's as if your body says, oh, I see you're busy with all your stress. No worries. I'll just convert this to fat and store it for you right here. So when you need it, it's available. And accelerated aging. I mean, that's something else that's going on. And it'll also hit the weakest link. So for me, autoimmune issues, like I had extreme arthritis. I mean, so debilitating, I could barely walk. I had to have surgery in both feet. And on the outside, they looked fine. On the inside, I had worn away all my cartilage. Every doctor said, oh, it's from all those years of running. And I'm thinking, why is it that some people can run well into their you know, 70s? And here I am, I wasn't even, I think, 40 at the time. And I could barely walk. You know, this is this is the stress response just freaking out the weakest link. It hits so many different things. Your thyroid, I mean, all of it. Yeah, and I, and I appreciate you sharing that perspective mm-hmm. because I want our listeners to be paying attention to uh, take an inventory of how they're feeling and think about where are they on managing their stress and are they on the road to burnout? Because mm-hmm. I think you've given a beautiful picture of what that process looks like. So. Along your journey, you realized that you often tolerated stuff that you didn't need to and began to change this. So my question to you, Debbie, is why do women often tolerate people in situations that they shouldn't and how can they change this behavior? Yeah. You know, I mean, coming from my area of expertise, which is betrayal, this is, it's loaded because here's what happens. It's not that what we're experiencing is necessarily good, you know, the behavior from other people. And I'm not saying even a betrayal, but just a certain type of treatment. Not that it's good. It's that it's familiar. So we can move from one relationship to the next and say, well, you know, this feels like home. This feels like what I know. And I think with so many women, we have such belief in others. We have such faith in other people. And because we're coming from our own lens You know, like personally, I live by a very simple rule. It's going to hurt someone, don't do it, period. And I assume other people live by that same rule. And I'm always dumbfounded to find out that's not the case. So I think we also, you know, it's also the idea that we're expecting or just assuming that other people are living by the same rules that we are. And when you think of betrayal, what is that? It's the breaking of a spoken or unspoken rule, you know, without our awareness or consent someone took it upon themselves to just break that spoken or unspoken rule. And that's why it's such a shock. And that's why it hurts so much. Mm, yeah, I can see that. 
how do they change that? How do they change that behavior of putting their place, their self in this place of comfort all the time? And which often is a bad situation. Like you said, it could be a a situation of betrayal or abuse and they keep going back to the same thing over and over. We've seen that. Yeah. There is such a link between betrayal and self-betrayal, like where we know we deserve better. We need to be treated better. We need to have better boundaries in place or whatever it is. And for some reason, we just don't honor and respect that, right? So that's that's self-betrayal. But what happens is, and I see this within our PBT community all the time, and even in my own experience, I had a family betrayal. I thought I learned all there was to learn and, and heal. And then, you know, this is how the universe works. It's like, oh, you know what? There's more you need to learn with this. So you get more opportunities in the form of other people. And then it was my husband. And like anybody who's been through it, blindsided, devastated, shocked, you know, profoundly hurt. But I really looked at it and I said, what's similar to both of these experiences? Because either I'm going to be the poster child for betrayal here, or I'm learning something. What I recognized was I was never on my own to-do list. It was always about everybody else. I never had strong boundaries in place. And it was interesting because one of the first things I did, well, I got my husband out of the house, And I said, okay, here I have four kids, six dogs and a business, and I'm enrolling in a PhD program. And I had no business at the time doing that. I had no idea how I was going to pull that off. But because it was something so extreme and so different from how I always behaved, because the old me would have said, well, does that work for everybody? Would that, you know, do, can I fit this in with everything else? And that's why the old behaviors continue. But this new sort of emerging version that I had no idea who I was going to become said, no, this is my turn. And I don't know what's going to happen, but I know I have to do something different to have something different. I mean, it turns out it changed my life. So yeah. And that's the opportunity because it's only when we have these traumatic experiences that we can look and say, okay, I can drown in this, or I can really look at it. And there is a death and destruction of the old. And because of that, I can recreate something entirely new and beautiful. Yeah, and I think that's such great wisdom and something that's very clear in terms of how why people get stuck where they are. Oh yeah. And how they might get unstuck, which will not be comfortable. I'll warn all those listening, it's not a comfortable journey. Mm-hmm. So let's switch it a little bit to self-talk. So healthy self-talk is so important to be successful, yet many women struggle with this. So what was your self-talk 20 years ago? And what does it sound like today? You know, years ago, I think I just always questioned everything. I was trained that way. I was was brought up to think whatever I was doing wasn't right, good, worthy, whatever. So it was very familiar. So when you're having that experience and when, when those are the thoughts and then you create a belief around it, a belief is just the repetition of an idea from someone you trust, period. That person who you trusted said something to you enough times, doesn't make it good or bad, doesn't make it right or wrong, doesn't make it true, but it makes it yours. So whether this is a parent, a teacher, someone in a religious capacity, you you take it on. And here's the thing though, it's a belief, right? It's not a fact. A fact can't be disputed. Take gravity, throw something up, it's coming down, that's the way it is. But a belief can be dismantled. But until you know that, you treat a belief as if it's a fact. So if you think I'm not worthy, well, then what you're doing is you will find confirming evidence to support that belief, right? So you will find relationships, you will find situations, you will find all kinds of evidence to confirm, you know what, you're right, you're not worthy. And so the version of me back then 
did that. That's all I knew. And then with that betrayal and everything crashed and burned, it was an opportunity to rewire everything. And, you know, I did that study. I did a study on betrayal and we made three discoveries. And one of them is that when you heal from betrayal, truly and fully heal, you experience a unique state called post-betrayal transformation. I have yet to meet someone stronger than someone who has rebuilt from a profound experience with betrayal. Because think about it. These are the people. This is the person that created that sense of safety and security. And then that's the very person who shatters that sense of safety and security. It's terrifying. It's unnerving. So when you rebuild the self, which is entirely demolished after betrayal, belonging, confidence, worthiness, trust, rejection, abandonment, these are huge. When you rebuild all of that and make sense and meaning out of your experience, you are a very different person at the end. And you're someone who's experienced post-betrayal transformation. Yeah, and you're someone that can be a powerful leader. So I'm going to stay in this betrayal. You've gone down this path a little bit, so I'm going to stay there for a second. It's certainly something that you have studied intensely. So what would you say to women leaders who are often and feel portrayed by employees or colleagues? Yeah. Well, the first thing I would say is, number one, it's even though it happened to you, it's not about you. Having said that, you know, there's still the anger, there's still the rage, there's still all those things that need cleaning up. And what happens so typically is we think, and I, and I get it, you know, we've heard time heals all wounds, right? Well, when it comes to betrayal, I have the proof that's not true. <laughs> we have close to 14,000 people at the time of this interview who've taken our post-betrayal syndrome quiz. That's a real thing. I could talk about it to see to what extent they're struggling. And there's a question that reads, is there anything else you'd like to share? And people write things like, my betrayal happened 35 years ago. I'm unwilling to trust. My betrayal happened 10 years ago. It feels like it happened yesterday. So we know when it comes to betrayal, we take this with us. Now, when you're talking about that leader who's experienced a betrayal at work, let's just say, right at that very moment, they go back into their file cabinet of an experience that it could have been intentional, could have been unintentional. They perceived it as a betrayal. And what they're doing is they're bringing that old wound into that current experience. And so we need to know, we need to know what's what's really happening here and trust, which is so foundational, get shattered, whether it was from an older experience, from that experience. But when we don't learn how to trust again, we're living half a life. And I always use this analogy. Let's say uh, you love to cook and you get burned on a stove. Not rebuilding trust is like saying, I'm never cooking again. That's it. It was too hard, too painful. Nope, not going there again, you know? But when we have that experience where trust was shattered, we need to carefully and cautiously build that trust again. But to not build it, like from that experience that you said, where someone you know shatters trust at work or whatever the experience, that's not fair to us. Yeah. What would you say to these types of leaders that can react from a place of something that's happened in the past towards something that's happening in the present? How do they catch themselves on that? What's the question they should ask themselves? They really have to clear that up. We actually, this was another one of the discoveries. There are five stages that we will go through if we are to fully heal. 
And what I see with so many people, specifically leaders, I see it all the time, they get stuck at stage three. Out of those five stages, stage four and stage five, five, and I'm happy to share them, that's where the transformation happens. But stage three keeps us profoundly stuck. So the days, weeks, months, years can be going by, but they haven't they haven't really and truly changed. They're reacting from that space of being firmly rooted in that stage three. And when they know the five stages, they'll know exactly where they are. So go ahead and share those five stages with our listeners so they can evaluate for themselves where they might be stuck. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I talk about interest again. So the first one is if you imagine four legs of a table. And this is this was like a setup stage. I saw this with every single participant. The four legs being physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. What I saw with everybody was a real heavy lean on the physical and the mental and kind of neglecting the emotional and the spiritual. So what does this look like? Looks like we're really good at thinking and doing, not really paying much attention to the feeling and being. But that's where our intuition lies. And we're so busy and we're so capable and we have so much to do. We turn that down. That's not to say if you're busy, it's a setup for betrayal. It's just what I saw. But think about it. If there's a table with only two legs, right? Easy for the table to topple over. So that's that's so common. Stage two, here's where we're blindsided. And this is the breakdown of the body, the mind, and the worldview. Blindsided by the coworker taking credit for your idea, your partner having an affair, your work partner taking you know, all the company funds, whatever it is. And we've ignited the stress response. We're headed for all those stress-related symptoms, illnesses, condition, disease. The mind is in a complete state of chaos and overwhelm. You cannot wrap your mind around what you just learned. And your worldview is shattered. Your worldview is your mental model. These people are safe. This is okay. Don't go there. This is how it works. And in a moment, it's totally shattered. The bottom has bottomed out. But if the bottom were to bottom out on you, what would you do? You would do whatever you could to stay safe and stay alive. That's stage three. Survival instincts emerge. Most practical stage. If you can't help me, get out of my way. How will I survive this experience? Who can I trust? But here's the trap. Once you've figured out how to survive, you're like, whew, I got this. Okay. And because it feels so much better than the shock and trauma where you just came from, you think this is good. You don't even know there's a stage four and five. And so you start settling in. And then a few things happen. The first thing is you start getting all kinds of small self benefits from being there. You get your story. You get to be right. You get someone to blame. You get sympathy from everybody you talk to, right? You get a target for your anger. And that feels good in that place. And then the longer you're here, now you start doing things like your mind starts saying, well, maybe you deserved it. Maybe you're not all that. Maybe you're not as great as you think you are. Planting deeper roots. You're here now even longer. And then like energy attracts like energy. So now you're calling situations and circumstances and people towards you to confirm, yep, this is where you belong. It gets worse. I'll get you out of it. Don't worry. Now, because you're here and you don't know it gets any better, you resign yourself to thinking this is good as it gets, so I better get used to it. So here's where you start using food, drugs, alcohol, work, TV, keeping busy, And so what happens is you do this for a day, a week, a month, a year, five years, 10 years, 20 years. And if I were to say to somebody 20 years out, that eating issue you have, you think it's tied to your betrayal, that numbing you're doing, that overwork, you know, is that tied to that betrayal? They say, oh my gosh, that happened 20 years ago. But do you see, they were in a perpetual holding pattern all that time. 
That's the place we get stuck. Now, if we're willing to let go of all those benefits, mourn the loss, like there are some things we need to do, we can move to stage four. Stage four is finding and adjusting to a new normal. Here's where you acknowledge and accept, I cannot undo this experience, but I can, I can make meaning from it. I can change how I react and respond. And I always liken this to if you've ever moved to a new house, office, condo, apartment. You know, it's not cozy yet. You know, all your stuff isn't there, but it's going to be okay. When you're in this space, you're actually turning down the stress response. You're not healing just yet, but you're not causing the massive damage physically that you're causing in stage two and stage three. But this is so interesting too. When you're in stage four, if you were to move, you don't bring everything with you. You don't bring all the stuff that doesn't represent who you want to be in that new space. If your friends weren't there for you in stage three, as you move to stage four, here's where you lose them. Here's where you don't take them with you. And people say to me all the time, I don't get it. I've had these friends for 30 years. Mm -mm, You've just outgrown them. Happens all the time. When we're in that stage four, we're making it cozy, making it our own. We can slowly move into stage five, the most beautiful stage, healing, rebirth, and a new worldview the body starts to heal. You've turned down the stress response. Now it's about self-love, self-care, eating well, exercise. You didn't have the bandwidth for that earlier. You were surviving. Now you do. Your mind, you're making new rules, new boundaries based on who you've become. And you have a new worldview based on your experience. And the four legs of that table, it was all about the physical and the mental. We're solidly grounded because now we're focused on the emotional and the spiritual too. Those are the five stages. I love it. And I think that makes it so clear, Debbie. Thank you for graciously sharing those. And I I know that you mentioned those clearly in your book. And I want you to tell people when we finish up here the name of your book. So if they want to dig deeper into those, they can they can do that. Before we finish up, I've got a personal question about you being a mom, because you're a mom of four. And you told me when we talked earlier that you learned to give yourself a total pass when things don't go as planned. So how can other mothers learn to do the same? Yeah, you know, what I what I realized was, and I'm not saying don't take responsibility for what you do, always take responsibility. But I realized I was always so hard on myself because that's what I knew. And that's what I thought I was supposed to do. And then when I went through the five stages, because of my own experience, by stage five, there was so much self-love and self-compassion that I realized I was beating myself up all those years. And, and I made a decision and I had my whole family, you know, in on it. And, and by the way, you know, I also teach how to rebuild when, you know, it's okay to rebuild. And when it's not like with my family, wasn't an option. So healed and moved on. And with my husband as two entirely different people, we actually married each other again. So I sat him down and I sat the family down and I said, from now on, if I screw up, I'm adorable. <laughs> That's just it. I'm adorable. And there's something so nice about giving myself that pass because think of as leaders, we're always trying new things. We're always putting ourselves in that position to learn and grow. And it doesn't always go so smoothly, so gracefully, so beautifully. So when it does it, I'm adorable. And so are you. Yeah. And I think that's something for us to all remember. Because I've, I've been adorable a lot, I'm sure. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Debbie, is there anything about your journey to greatness that we haven't covered that you'd like to share with other women? Uh, you know, I, I would say we all experience trials and tribulations. And I truly believe 
It's our responsibility. If you've healed from something, if you've done something that could shorten someone's learning curve, it's your obligation to share that and pass it on. And whatever you have to get over in order to do that, like, listen, I mean, betrayal, I'm a very private person. And here I'm talking about betrayal, sharing my own experience, because I know the people who need to hear it can benefit from it. I'm sure there are stories about financial hardships and you overcame it. And now, you know, you can teach other people how to do the same or health you know, you've learned the secret to health, whatever that is. If you've learned something, there's somebody who just stepped foot on the path that you just walked on. Pass it on. Yeah. And I I think that is a great way to end what has been an interview full of so much wisdom. Before we wrap up here, tell me the name of your book and Mm -hmm. where they can find it. It's yeah, it's Trust Again, Overcoming Betrayal and Regaining Health, Confidence and Happiness. And the best way to do it is they could get to the book by taking the post-betrayal syndrome quiz. I recommend that because they will see all the symptoms that they think, oh, it's due to aging. Oh, it's due to whatever. No, it's not. It's due to your unhealed betrayal. So it's it could be a little jarring to take the quiz, but I really recommend that. And they could just find that at the PBT, as in post-betrayal transformation, thepbtinstitute.com forward slash quiz. Great. Fantastic. Debbie, thank you for taking time for being here. Really appreciate it so much. Thank you so much for the opportunity. And Debbie is another great example of how women are challenging the norm, making things happen, and demanding their own greatness. So join me next time on the World's Greatest Women Show as another powerful woman's story unfolds. 